This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. This is the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast with Andy Hill, session number 27. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Thanks for being here today, everyone. Before we jump into today's show, let me first mention a new course called Retire Early in Six Easy Steps. Dylan Redling developed this course after he retired at 43 years old. Good God. He wants to share with you how he was able to leave his 9 to 5 early so you too can enjoy the freedom to wake up when you want to, take care of your health each day, and travel the world with the love of your life, just like he does. If you're interested in learning more, please go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash retire to check out the details. For being a listener of the show, you'll get 10% off if you use the coupon code MKM-10. So go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash retire and insert the coupon code MKM-10. Okay, let's jump into today's show. I'm continually amazed with the amount of talent we have in our world. Designers, creators, entrepreneurs, artists, developers. These are people that push the bounds of what is possible to create a product, a service, or a business that revolutionizes their respective field. While these folks might be masters of their craft, the creative class can sometimes lack the financial know-how to be the masters of their money. Enter Philip and Julia Olson. These two talented theater majors turned dynamic financial gurus developed a company called The Art of Finance. This company helps the creative class become more intelligent with their finances. Philip and Julia help their clients to realize that being a starving artist is just no way to live. They advise their creative clients on areas like debt elimination, budgeting, investing. That way, they can do what they love while earning the money they deserve. On the show today, Philip, Julia, and I discuss how and why they started their company, the financial issues facing the creative class, and strategies for success to avoid this starving artist trap. If you're an artist, a designer, or an entrepreneur that's looking to make money or command your finances, as Julia Olson puts it, (laughs) listen up. This financially savvy couple knows what it takes for you to succeed. All right, let's jump right into the conversation with Philip and Julia Olson from The Art of Finance. Thank you, Philip and Julia, for joining today. I'm very excited to talk to you guys. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you guys do? For sure. So we uh, are artists by uh, nature and by training. So we both went to, to college and have fine arts degrees, and then Uh, We also got married really young. Uh, We're coming up on 10 years uh, this year, which is really cool. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, 
yeah, about, you know, halfway through our marriage, we both found ourselves in the finance world, which is really strange and cool. Um, and then decided eventually to open up our own business. I've been an entrepreneur beforehand doing a couple of other things and, uh, yeah, so that's me. Yeah. So we were both actors in high school and college and, uh, did a ton of theater stuff. Um, and, uh, I kind of was doing financial stuff sort of in a hobby capacity, uh, while I was still doing theater. So right, we kind of flipped it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We did the, we did the reverse. So, uh, we, yeah, I was, you know, started to listen to Dave Ramsey and, you know, Tony Robbins and that's all slippery slope, that sort of stuff. And I know and started it's all over at that point. opened up a brokerage account. And, and then that, that really got me hooked on being interested in it. I, I mean, I had no formal training in it, so I just figured, um, it would not be anything more than that, a hobby. Uh, eventually, um, Julia was still working as a, as a kind of a executive assistant. I was working in the theater world and did a, did a career 180 moved into the financial world. I basically got approached by a recruiter for financial services, uh, commissioned products, which is kind of a different thing than we do now, but I didn't know heads or tails. Yeah. I didn't know anything we at all about that industry. Jack. Wow. That's so interesting. I did that's not know nice. that. That's very cool. What a, what a twist. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt you. I was just wanted to provide my, my, my gasp there. No, <laughs> Keep going. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's always a little bit of a surprise and people hear, uh, that we did not go to business school. No. We, we did not study finance, no. which actually is, I think what kind of makes us cool little, uh, like secret agents in the yeah. finance industry that we, we have the letters and we have the creds to uh, be able to give advice. But we definitely came from none of this me- making any sense uh, to uh, really, um, yeah, being scared and naive and nervous about finances, which I think most people are definitely most creatives. So what, what inspired you as you guys were going through uh, and doing your careers and what you were doing, and then you started to learn from some of these you know, financial pros, what excited you about trying to make that flip in your career? Yeah, so I, I did it first, and then actually Julia very shortly after got into a different section of the uh, financial industry. So I'll talk to myself. So I, um, I was told by our recruiter, who is you know basically a salesperson for the firm, uh, that we had the opportunity to um, really, really be a guide and a help and an advocate and a teacher to people when it came to finances and make a really good living doing it. And I was like, well, that just sounds amazing. I, that that sounds like the perfect life. And so you know, and he had been teaching before. Yeah, so. I guess I should say I was a theater teacher for several years. Okay. Uh, previously. Um, and so, you know, it's like I could be teaching, I could be helping people and I can, you know, be making more than, uh, 15 bucks an hour. This sounds <laughs> wonderful. And so that kind of got the hooks in me and it took me, you know, about a year to even figure out the lingo in the industry and, and, uh, even how to navigate my way around. And then by the second year I started to kind of discover the kind of ugly underbelly of the industry that it's pretty predatory, that, um, people get absolutely churned and spit out, uh, on the other end, both employees and customers, uh, that generally what's best for people is not what makes the firm the most money is so mm-hmm. inherent conflict. And that took me years to figure out of kind of being in the belly of the beast. Um, but that initial hook of like, People are nervous and scared and needing help about money. 
There's not a lot of people out there who can actually do that for them very well in a, in a, um, objective manner. And I find that super fun. Like I find that actually really like I could do that all day. We do do that all day now. Yeah. Yeah. And then for me, like I didn't really, <laughs> I did not have a, uh, a very well thought out plan when I got into the, the financial industry, it was a very strange fluke um, opportunity that came my way that I just completely took out of naivete. I, at the time, you know, basically had run my own business as a personal organizer. You know, I was 1099 and you know, that, that always kind of stank and, (laughs) and, uh, and I all of a sudden got this uh, offer for like my first big girl job, like a salary and benefits and like all these things. And it just so happened to be in the mortgage industry through the woman who had given us our mortgage a couple of years prior. And I, I really, you know, liked her. She was really, she was a young woman, high energy. And I was like, sure. Why not? Like what a great opportunity. And, um, and then about <laughs> three to four weeks in, I was like, Oh no, what have I done? (laughs) I've launched myself into this place that's all about details and numbers and tax returns and credit reports and bank statements. And I was so completely overwhelmed. And I just thought like... As a theater major. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I'm either going to bail now or I'm going to dig my teeth into this and just do it. And I was absolutely determined that even if it killed me and it almost did (laughs) that I was going to figure it out and make it work. So that's That's interesting. So you said as a theater major, so I I don't know a ton of theater majors. Are (laughs) are you not a detailed type of folk or (laughs) not naturally? Mm -mm. I think there's actually a pretty strong stigma that, uh, artsy folks mm-hmm. and, and theater theater people are definitely artsy folks um, are inherently naturally just bad at numbers, finances, details, business, which we think is a is totally a myth, but mm-hmm. um, it's definitely a very very strongly held myth. Yeah, and so um, and I think it's one that we just kind of accepted. We accepted it for ourselves, so we're yeah, we're like yeah, we're creative, we're artists we're clearly not wired like this. Like you kind of need a poindexter pocket protector type of person to be good at this. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it was more just internal. We, we've obviously learned to do it. We we've worked in this industry for years yeah. now, but uh, I think it was more the expectation that people like us shouldn't be doing things like that. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was very much a, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think like I, I just believed that because I was naturally creative and artistic and not like great at math. Like I did just fine, but it was never something that just came super naturally to me. I had to really work at it in school that, that like, you know, all of a sudden I was in this industry that was so numbers heavy and I was looking at all these really complicated moving pieces and financial software. And, um, I just thought I I can't do this. Like I'm not equipped to do it, but I can like, and I did. <laughs> well, you're also taught like that if you're training to be really excellent in some kind of creative endeavor, if you're trying to become an excellent violinist or a graphic designer, you don't really have a lot of emphasis in your training on math, 
business, Mm -hmm. finance, that's kind of like, oh, don't worry about that. Someone else will handle that, which I think is a shame. Like if you understand that stuff better, you'll actually get to do your art on better terms and in better ways and make more money doing it. But I I either didn't pay attention to you or had very little formal training in college on this kind of stuff, as did Julia. Yeah. And so it was just, you know, more stuff we had to learn in the real world with, you know, the hard way. Well, so it sounds like you're helping people now in a similar situation with a creative background or the creative class, we'll say, to help them become smarter with money. Can you can you talk about the type of services you guys provide in your new business? Yeah, sure. So we essentially do kind of three things. We coach people, we plan, and we manage investments. So those are kind of the three you know, day-to-day things that we do. Um, At this point, and, you know, as any young business does, you kind of go through a couple of iterations of, like, your product and service. And we recently made a change about, I don't know, two, three months ago that has been going really well. And what that looks like is um, there's a program that we call Foundations, which is a six-month Um, engagement where we're really teaching people how to relay their financial foundation. Um, We'll teach them how to budget in a way that they don't hate. (laughs) That's really empowering. Um, And we'll get to sort of what we call financial planning light. So figuring out a debt strategy, um, talking about retirement um, in more kind of general terms, like this is for people who are starting out, who are learning how to accumulate things and then what to start to do with it. Um, So that's what that um, track is like. And then we have the more sophisticated track. So this is for people who um, are you know, have a solid foundation with their money. They, they know what it's doing, but now they've amassed a lot of stuff and they're not quite sure what the best thing to do with it is. Um, and at that point we do what we call comprehensive planning, which is just a totally exhaustive overview of their entirety of their financial life. We really think of it like as an ecosystem. So we look at it all, um, talk about goals and dreams and, um, and put it all into a dynamic financial plan. And then we move into implementation of that plan for the rest of the year. So that's like a 12 month track. And by the end of the year, you basically have like all the dust (laughs) swept off or out of your like weird financial corners (laughs) of your life. So that's that's great. That sounds like it really helps people uh, to uh, figure out the best path path for them. Um, And when you say that you're working closely with them or going through these tracks, is this a on the phone kind of thing? Is it a course that they do online? What what is what is the uh, transaction? How are they how are they working with you guys? Yeah, we work we work hand in hand with every one of our clients. Yeah, very not, hands on. It's not automated. No. It's not a video course. Um, we we get to intimately know and really care about all of our clients because we work with all of them for a significant amount of time. We don't do transactional business, so no. uh, we wouldn't see someone and and 
they leave, like if you were to buy a car or a house, we have long relationships with all of our clients. And that's Go just ahead. our personal taste. I would also say like mm-hmm. there are other really awesome planners out there who will do a much more like short term basis or mm-hmm. hourly planning. Um, but that just isn't how we you know, we roll, we really care about like the long-term relationship and that's what we enjoy. Um, so that's how we've structured our It's business. also where we've seen the most success. For sure. Because it takes a while. I mean, money, uh, your personal finances are generally a little bit of a scary, private, sensitive part of your life that it takes some time before you can trust somebody else, you know, to, to not to, to not break it if you hand it over to them. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's a good point. Let, let's talk about that trust because you were mentioning when you started off in your first position, you saw some of the nasty underbelly of this uh, industry and um, you guys wanted to do something different. So when it comes to trust, uh, what type of advisor or advice are you guys giving? I know there are different types of uh, you know, there's, you know, all the terminology out there, CFPs, commission brokers, fee only. Can you help us understand where you guys fall into this and, and what the difference might be just so to, just to educate the audience? Yeah, great question. And there's, I mean, it is such a confusing mess out there of letters and deceptive terms. I think it's actually getting a little better, uh, with some of the, some of the shows and, you know, uh, the awareness out there, but it's, it's, there's still a ton of misinformation. So, you know, the place I would begin is advisors really can, can, can get paid only really two ways, uh, which is they get paid by a, uh, a financial institution of some kind. So a bank or an insurance agency or a brokerage, and that's who pays them. That's what we would call commission basis. Uh, or there's financial planners who get paid directly from their clients, like you would pay a plumber or a lawyer. Um, and that's what's known as fee only basis. Um, some advisors actually kind of do both and they would call themselves a hybrid or fee based. Uh, but generally kind of in our worldview, it breaks down to, uh, does your advisor get paid by you or paid by you plus somebody else? Um, and so when I started in the business, we were trained, I mean, it was part of our training to tell clients, and this is definitely the norm in the industry that you never pay me. You don't ever have to cut me a check. Um, in, in some sort of, you know, weird logical way, this is free, uh, talking to me. Now, of course, that's completely not true and deceptive and a way to kind of hide and obscure fees. And it, what's happened is a, a lot of bad things, which is people are getting bad advice, products they don't need, paying way too much commission and not getting a lot of attention because the advisors, as soon as the commission has been paid, you can't get a hold of them anymore. And it's just, it's broken and everybody kind of loses at the end of the day that the industry has lost a ton of trust. And it's really, really hard for financial advisors to get new clients in that traditional setting now, uh, because the, the damage has been done. The people have been taken advantage of. And, you know, I have to totally, um, you know, you know, take, take some blame here that I was part of this system for a while. That's where I came from. That's where I was trained, uh, of kind of downplaying how much we get caught, uh, paid, um, not really talking about the conflict of interest. And it just didn't sit with me morally, uh, very well. And I got more and more uncomfortable with the fact that I was having to skirt around these issues and I would be really nervous if someone found out what I got paid. And so when we started our own firm, 
there was just no question. People need to know exactly to the penny what they're going to pay us with no ifs, ands, or buts. We never receive a penny from anyone but our client for giving them advice. And it's just, it's a lot cleaner. And honestly, my conscience rests a lot easier. Knowing yeah, that. It's really the only way I we've found to give completely conflict-free advice. Mm-hmm. Like even your most amazing, like stand up, you know, uh, guy, guy or gal with super integrity as I truly believe Philip is. I wouldn't have married him otherwise, but, um, the, the temptation is so strong to maybe reach for a product, um, that maybe it's 90% good for that person. <laughs> um, but we've created an environment in our new firm where it's like, if it's not a hundred percent, we just don't have to say it. Like, we can be completely upfront. Or maybe everything. you don't need a product at all. And yeah. if you're talking to someone who sells products, you're, you're gonna, um, you're going to be sold products. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you're, if you got a, if you got a hammer, everything's a nail. Right. And so, yeah. and I was finding for myself, like I'm, I'm an intelligent person. I'm aware of this conflict and there were so many very, you know, upstanding people of integrity around me in this industry. Yeah. So they're not evil. They're not bad people that the industry pushes them to, to, to make an unnatural, uh, decision, which is between themselves and their clients. And, um, I was finding there was this point where I was about to, you know, sell or recommend a certain product to somebody. And I had to ask myself, can I be really sure how much of this recommendation is because I know what I'll get paid if they do this or not? That's got to factor in. I can't say exactly what percentage, but it has to be part of my thinking. Uh, and that just, just made me feel so, so kind of greasy and slimy that, uh, it wasn't a good fit. So, uh, obviously there's lots of people of integrity out there who don't work on a fee only basis. We think that's best obviously, cause it's what we offer. Uh, but, uh, we don't want to demonize those people and you don't need to be a certified financial planner to offer a fee only model. Now, almost all fee only planners are because just like me, they went through the similar journey of learning, uh, the wrong way to do some things <laughs> so they could change it. But a certified financial planner, uh, is just kind of a higher level of distinction and designation. It takes, uh, it takes multiple years in the industry to even be able to, uh, apply for the designation. It's kind of the gold standard of exams in the industry. It's one of the more difficult ones to pass. And, um, yeah, the thing is like, eight hours long. It's, it's a, it's a worst. horrible test. It's, it, it, it's like, yeah, something like a, a thousand hours of prep or something is what it took me. It was just mind melting. The day he took it, I thought I was going to have a heart attack, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm glad that's behind me. And, and the, so certified financial planners have a lot of knowledge, but also if, um, they're doing a financial plan for somebody, that's an important distinction. Cause if they're Financial CFPs can sell products, but if a CFP is doing a financial plan for someone, then they are automatically a legal fiduciary for them, which means that they have to put the client's interest above their own financially, which seems like, of course, that's common sense. Wouldn't you want that? Uh, all, wouldn't that be the normal? But but most financial planners are not fiduciaries. Uh, and if you can name an institution off the top of your head, um, their, their advisors are almost certainly not serving in a, in a fiduciary capacity. Well, I applaud you guys for, for having that type of integrity and I've seen it directly on your website. You guys put the, the fees right out there so everybody can understand what they're getting into. This is where the industry's going and where it needs to go yeah. because we're, we're a group of millennials or Gen Xers or Gen Yers that, uh, that require, 
some clarity in the things that we buy. And um, I, I'm, re I'm reading a book right now called Unshakable by Tony Robbins where he goes, you know, I, I read the big behemoth one before that, the 700-pager, but the, <laughs> right now I'm reading through uh, Unshakable and he goes through all of the detail and these hidden fees that we're all getting, uh, I guess, fle yeah. fleeced with, you know, these 40, 50-page prospectus reports that you need a, a, right. law, a law degree and a CFP designation to read and decipher. And that's just not the way that people work. So I applaud you guys for, for doing what you're doing. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Um, let's, let's jump into a little bit of, of your, your clientele. Um, can we talk about maybe some of the biggest financial issues that are affecting people who are in the creative class or just people in our generation in general? Like what, what's really affecting them right now? The things that you're helping out with? Man, <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> um, I would say a major lack of just basic financial education. Um, so many people, you know, are afraid to open this box of like their financial world, um, partially just 
out of fear, fear that's bred out of ignorance. Um, because they hear all these terms like, you know, APR and interest rate and amortization and like, you know, all these crazy things that ultimately when you, when you break it down, it's not that complicated for the most part. Um, do you think that's, do you think that's more so in the creative class or do you think that's just everybody in general? And and I guess I'm asking that because of of the type of education and background. Yeah, I do think that it is, it is absolutely something that we see across, you know, all the people that that we come across, but it is extra heightened in, in creative people because of what we mentioned before, because Mm -hmm. of this sort of societal, um, delusion that like, we're all destined to be poor. Like, you know, the starving artist is yeah totally like those things go together and that's so stupid, but they do. And that is a hearing that constantly is a major, you know, it um, informs your subconscious on a really high level. So that's definitely one. And then also debt and student loans are just a millstone around so many of, especially our generation's necks. And it's, it's really hard to watch and see people struggle, um, under them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about student loans a bit. So, so somebody gets out of college, call them like a, a really hardworking, very talented art designer that takes a, you know, a new job, and, but they're just strapped with <laughs> loads of student loan debt. What, what can this person do? What, what, what is there hope for them? What, what advice would you guys have for this person? Yeah, of course there is. I mean, <laughs> uh, no, there's no hope. <laughs> you just give it up. <laughs> no, there's hope for that person. We had a we had a wonderful victory um, with one of our clients. I think a week and a half ago, who we've been working with uh, for about two years, and um, she's in her early 30s, and she is a, a single woman who. Um, works as a, uh, a midwife, a, a nurse midwife. And so she makes decent money. She's not, you know, she's not rolling in it like a doctor, but she's, she's making okay money, but she came out of college, uh, and Vassar with six figures of student loan debt, uh, chasing her. Wow. And, uh, in two years she paid it all off herself with no windfalls. Wow. That's uh, incredible. So inspiring. Yeah. And, you know, she didn't have a rich uncle die or marry someone rich or any of these kind of shortcuts. Like she just rolled up her sleeves and did the two things that we think you have to do to claw out of a lot of debt, which is to um, be okay with reducing your lifestyle for a little while. And that's intellectually sounds great in the abstract. In practice, is horrible uh, at first for people. It's really you feel the squeeze of of, uh, you know, trimming down a little bit of your, of your lifestyle. And the second is to get on a budget and actually look at all the ways that money is slipping and dripping away from you, uh, that you don't notice until you start to watch it. And so it's just, you know, uh, be really intentional for a short amount of time and watch what you're doing. Uh, that's what budgeting is and it can be done. You know, she was paying off at at one point between like 2,500 and $4,000 a month on her student loans, That's especially incredible. close to the finish line. She was line. a beast. But she didn't start there. When she started, she was paying less than $1,000 a month on these things. And it took some time to build up the muscle of budgeting, of living below her means, all the common sense things we heard from our grandparents, but somehow we all sort of forgot. And especially as a creative person, um, 
I think she had been told by most people around her, like, you're basically doomed. Like, hmm. you're going to have these things forever. Like, yeah. just yeah. comfortable so with get them. comfortable. Yeah, like, settle in for the long haul. And as Julia said, like, in our culture, the artist and the poor person are the same person in most people's minds. And so when I say, hey, we do financial planning for artists and creatives – we so regularly hear back from people, oh, how do they do that? They're all broke. And we're like, uh, first of all, no, they're not all broke. And second of all, let's get some of them less broke. Like, that. Let's start to change that because uh, we're artists and we're doing fine. And we have lots and lots of clients of ours who are thriving and doing exceptional. Because once you can really learn that muscle like her, like our client I mentioned, when she just paid off that debt, she's now got three to four thousand dollars of cash flow for whatever she wants. I mean, um, how amazing is that? Like, you just let's like winning the lottery. Absolutely. And so she's about to get married, and they're about to buy a house, and it's they are so easily going to be able to afford this and so many of the other things she's dreaming for a short amount of sacrifice. I mean, two years in the scope of your lifetime isn't really very long. Absolutely. So uh, I take it your your piece of advice wasn't to do the. I think it's called income-based repayment program where you're on this thing for the majority of your oh, yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. Every now and then, people just don't have a choice. And yeah. um, that that's sad. We, we work really hard to see how we can help those types of folks. But most of the time when people are looking at income-based repayment, um, they, they're not really who that program is designed for. Um, I, they... they they have a lot more expensive things in their life than they necessarily need. And they're sort of taking advantage of a program that's for people who are in really, you know, tough, dire situations. I would say, you know, young working parents mm-hmm. who are taking care of a loved one, uh, people single who, mothers. Yeah. Single mothers, somebody who, you know, got into a bunch of debt, uh, and then couldn't fulfill that career for some reason that does happen sometimes. I think that's who it's designed for, but income based repayment. I mean, Oh my gosh, you're going to end up paying so long and before it even ever ends up getting forgiven is like 20 years or yeah. something so far yeah. down the road. I think road. it is. I think it's 20 years. That's it is. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't think I have that bone in my body where I could live with that 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 oh, long, but <laughs> it's, it's a no one's ever gotten that debt forgiven because yeah. the program's not even old enough yet for <laughs> it. So maybe it will go away by yeah, the time. Yeah, that's true. That is actually true. That yeah. is totally true. So Julia, I, I hear you're the the budget meister. Is that right? <laughs> I, I try. Yeah. So what do you guys have a, a program of choice, or do you guys have your own program? Do you guys like Mint, Wineab, any of those things? What, what's your What's your favorite? Yeah, well, we definitely have strong. I, I we have very strong feelings in this <laughs> in this category. So, um, we we use a particular software, but I would say that I I don't think the software itself. Well, I know the software itself is not the key to our success. The software is just a piece of it, and what we really do is we've kind of created this funny. Um, mishmash of um philosophies and theories and behavioral finance and like all these things combined with what we think is the best software out there which i think is ynab it's ynab you need a budget there is nothing else that i've come across that holds a candle to that um but that being said it's a tough um learning curve to to go on that software um and uh so you know we hold people's hands through that. Um, but it, as far as, you know, what it offers and the philosophies that are kind of baked into it, 
we completely agree with. So, so, so Julia, I've, I've been yeah. a mint junkie for like seven years. Bring me, bring me over to your club. Tell me, oh, tell me why yeah, I need to be a wine app guy. You about to go to church? Okay. <laughs> mint. We use mint first, by the way. Yes, mint is a yes, which we totally did. We were not, you know, how I see people come to mint is. They have this itch that they want to scratch of like, I want to know what's going on. I want to do something about this. I want to adult my money, right? Quote, unquote. And so they sign up for Mint and they get on it and they have all these, you know, ideas and they, and they maybe set like a budget or two on some things. And then like six months later, literally nothing has changed. Like they're still, you know, spending, you know, the amount they maybe have, um, you know, like the red that would show up, they've kind of become anesthetized to, like it doesn't really matter anymore. Using mint is like driving with only a rear view mirror. It does not give you the capacity to truly budget on a zero-based system. And what that means is every dollar that comes in needs a super specific job or it will leave. Um, and to me, like how I like to think about it and I tell my clients is like every dollar that comes in a door is like a soldier. Um, and it's your job to be the best commander in chief that you can be. You're the general here. And if you are, um, if you're not communicating well, if you don't have the right tools, um, if you're not paying attention, they're going to wander off or mutiny. And I think that I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that wine app is truly the only way to make sure that there are no lazy soldiers standing around, that you are in complete control. Well, I'll take back control. You can't control everything, but you are in command and you see absolutely everything that's going on. And Mint, one of the things that it does that we don't like is that it will automatically categorize everything for you. Oh, I hate that. You are not in control of that. YNAB allows, it, it does that a little bit for you, but you have to approve every single thing. And that might sound completely tedious and awful and overwhelming. It takes me like 10 seconds to do. It's truly not bad. They've created an incredible product and system and we're not paid to say that. <laughs> it totally took our game to like the next level. Like I thought we were, we were doing well budgeting. Like we'd gone on the Dave Ramsey system and we'd use men, we'd use all this stuff. And we thought like we were on top of it. And then YNAB got introduced to us. We sort of dipped our toe in. I had to be dragged kicking and screaming because I don't like big changes <laughs> to the ways I like to do things. And I'm telling you, I will never, ever go back. All right. I'm sold. I'm sold. The comparison I would make Andy is that, <laughs> Mint is primarily a data aggregator and a weak yes. budgeting tool. Mm -hmm. YNAB is a weak data aggregator and it, and it's a great budgeting tool. Yeah. It's, it's not really designed to see like all of your accounts like Mint is. Mm -hmm. It is a it is the purest budgeting program I think that exists because it's about being super intentional with your dollars. You also don't plan within YNAB. You don't plan on. Uh, projected income coming yes. in the door. So you don't have to estimate how much do I think I'll make. So like if you work on commission or a bonus or a refund, um, trying to predict that is a massive headache. If you have variable income, most of our 
creative clients do. They're, they have a side hustle. And we did. They work for and commission. Do. Yeah. And so we, we, what we love about YNAB is, it, and to Julia's point, our budgeting is kind of like a, a stew of uh, YNAB philosophy, Dave Ramsey philosophy, you know, a few other probably Mr. Money Mustache stuff thrown in there. Uh, but uh, YNAB, the thing it forces you to do, it only operates in one mode, which is you budget the dollars you have end of sentence. You cannot budget into debt. You cannot budget potential money that will come. You say, I have $1,000 to my name and that's all I get to budget. When I have more come in, I get a budget again. That totally starts to rewire your thinking. Um, and it, it makes you think in a current basis instead of a f- planning for future income basis. Yeah. And there's consequences, which I like. And that sounds kind of scary, but like, for example, in Mint, if you bust one of your budgets, like, your okay, so what? Like, okay, I went you, you over. You feel a little bad. Yeah, now I feel a little bad, a little guilty. I guess I should change. Move on with my life. In YNAB, you have to account for it. If you spend more than what you plan to spend, that money literally has to come from somewhere else. And you have to choose where it comes from. And making those choices on a day-to-day basis is absolutely what changes your brain chemistry. Um, you're only going to overspend on groceries so many times if you're constantly having to dip into your vacation fund. That is the freaking worst. (laughs) And that's what changes you, I I believe, is like getting a visual representation of what you're giving up to get something else. Oh, I like this. I think that um, I was looking on their website. I think they have a free 30-day trial. So maybe I will, maybe I think I will take advantage of this. You hit us up. We, we're, we're, uh, we're our kissy face with them. We have a 60 day free trial. Ooh, I'm, I'm hanging with the right crew. <laughs> so just shoot me a thing. Yeah. We don't ever, we don't make a dime from them. In no. fact, I, we probably paid them a thousand or thousands of dollars at this point to purchase the software for all of our yeah. and they don't even give us a discount <laughs> no and we we just i mean it freaking works it totally changed our life we know people who swear by it say it say it saved our marriage is a phrase i have heard from people referring to YNAB. now oh, that's awesome like said it's got that learning curve it's so hard don't it's underestimate not that. easy it's not easy so like uh, maybe mint is freshman year and then YNAB is senior year something like that. <laughs> yeah, YNAB's grad school Yeah. There we go. Okay. CFP certification. There we go. (laughs) I mean, I would say like, I don't want to, I don't want to overhype it too much because there are obviously, there are plenty of people who use it, who weren't coached by us or have CFP degrees, but it is a difficult start. But if you can stick with it, um, it's not even that it's mechanically super hard. It's that it's mentally difficult for most people just that you have to, it forces you to start thinking in unnatural, unintuitive ways, which is how you have change happen. But, uh, it, you're like, oh no, this doesn't work. This doesn't make sense. Up is down. Up isn't down. Left isn't right. But then this I, makes me feel poor. Yeah. <laughs> All well, kinds if you of guys weird. are if you guys are open to it, um, maybe I can get that link and share it with the uh, the folks on the show. I think that would be fun to uh, put in our show notes for this for this episode. Our pleasure. Any of your listeners. Excellent. Very cool. Well, I'll connect with you guys after the show and get that. Um, w- one thing, you know, we're talking a lot about the creative class here, and some of these folks. Um, as you guys know, because you are a part of it, uh, go off and do their own business or their own side hustle. I love that term, by the way. Uh, what's the best way to set up your side hustle for tax purposes? Uh, I've heard the term sole proprietorship, LLC, S Corp. Where do they get started and, and how, how do people do this intelligently? Yeah, and I'm really glad that you're kind of 
it sounds like you're you're thinking similar to us, which is that creating a business actually is a creative endeavor. So even if your business isn't necessarily artistic, in our mind, you're still a creator. And so if you're creating something, a side hustle or a product you sell online or an Etsy shop. Or a service. You're a creative. And you, yeah, knowing how this kind of stuff works will be helpful for you. So um, this, is a, this can be a long rabbit trail, but I can kind of boil it down to the, the main decision most folks have to make, which is if you don't do anything, you're, you're automatically a sole proprietor. If you think there's a good risk of getting sued for some reason, you should set up an LLC. It's not going to help your taxes at all. If you are making a good amount of money doing this thing as a sole proprietor or partner, and let's say a good amount of money is somewhere between like 50 and 80K, that's kind of a good range. If you're making that much or upwards of that, you should set up an S Corp or an S Corp LLC. And that's net, by the way. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Gross revenue. That's not 50 to 80K net. Not receipts. Right. This is what you get to keep after your expenses. And that's because setting up a corporation actually costs money to set up and maintain. And so there's a certain point where the tax savings is not big enough to offset it. So that's kind of our rule. Um, and we're, uh, yeah, we started as just a sole proprietorship LLC, like I think everyone should if your business is small. Uh, and if you don't think there's any risk of getting sued, then don't even worry about the LLC. But some some businesses are more litigious if you work in body work, if you work in finance, if you work in legal. Um, if, the, if you can screw something up bad, that LLC will protect you legally, but it doesn't actually help your tax outlay. Okay, and so if I'm um, if I've set up an LLC or if I'm just doing the sole proprietorship, just getting my thing going, uh, mm-hmm. and I do need to do my taxes, is TurboTax a, a sufficient way to go, or do I need to get a CPA? What do you guys think about that? Well, yeah, we just made a video on this. We sure did. <laughs> um, CPA all the way for if, sure. If you're making more than a couple grand, a CPA will save you more than they cost you. I, I'm pretty much convinced. Uh, yeah. I, there's very few exceptions to that. So if you're if you're making five grand, ten grand, or up, uh, a CPA may or may not save you taxes when you actually file. But if you have a relationship with somebody, especially someone local that you can uh, work with on an ongoing basis, they'll give you strategies for the rest of the year to structure the way you drive, where your P.O. box is located, how you actually separate your cell phone bill, all these kinds of crazy things that will help you save taxes later. Uh, Oh, my gosh. The return on investment for a CPA for a small business owner is an absolute no-brainer. No-brainer. Excellent. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned that you guys made a video on that. By the way, I, um, Philip and I were chatting early on before we started recording about their excellent YouTube channel. I will put a link again in the show notes about that. Super entertaining, very creative, and a lot of fun. So kudos to you guys on that one. If people want to learn more about the art of finance and, and maybe dip their toes in the water with you, what's the best place for them to go? Yeah, super easy. Um, www.theartoffinance.biz, B-I-Z. That's where, you know, we, that's our um, our website. You can sign up for our uh, weekly newsletter that we both put a lot of time and we energy into. We actually write. Yes. It's, not, it's, it's not other clips from Things Around the Web. We write it every yes, week. Yes, every week. And, um, and then also on Facebook, just look us up, The Art of Finance. Um, those two places are where we, we like to go. Uh, question uh, videos answering money questions mm-hmm. about every week or two on YouTube, and we love it if people subscribe. So you'll you'll know every time we send out a new one. That's right. Yeah, excellent. Well, I've just become a subscriber uh, myself, oh. and I'm enjoying them as well. So um, well, thank welcome. you. 
Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you guys both uh, for your time today. I really appreciate the conversation, and I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, it was a huge pleasure. Thanks, Andy. It was a pleasure talking to you. I absolutely love the combination of their backgrounds. The ability to teach and present combined with their in-the-trenches financial knowledge makes for an impressive team, especially especially a married couple team. I love that. Thank you, Philip and Julia. That was a great conversation. I'll be honest with you, the podcast doesn't do those two justice, by the way, uh, because you can only hear them. Take a look at their YouTube channel so you can get a visual of these charismatic characters. I'll place a link in the show notes at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 27. At that same link, I'll also include Philip and Julia's hookup with YNAB. That was an awesome discussion there. The budgeting tool uh, we were uh, talking about during the show, YNAB, you need a budget, Y-N-A-B. This will give you a free 60-day trial of their service. I've been a mint guy since 2012, but the way Julia was promoting YNAB during our conversation, I think I'm going to have to give this, uh, give this a try myself. I've also heard the same thing from many other trusted smart financial whizzes in my life as well. So starting May 1st, I'll be jumping into YNAB. I'll take that 60-day free trial as well. Thank you very much, Philip and Julia. Hey, all you uh, Facebook users, are you, are, are you and I, are we connected? I don't know. Are we connected? Check me out on Facebook if we're not connected. Andy Hill, MKM. I'm sharing brand new articles on there. Uh, show Obviously, these shows and some freaking adorable videos of my kids learning about money. <laughs> Join me for some Facebook fun. Search for me at Andy Hill, MKM on FB. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Natasha Munson. Money, like emotions, is something you must control to keep your life on the right track. Here's to living your personal and financial dreams, everyone. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.